This is Caregiver's Compass, an uplifting podcast all about the ins and outs of caregiving for a loved one. Tips, tricks, true stories, and experts. It's all here on Caregiver's Compass. Hello and welcome to another episode of Caregiver's Compass. I'm your host, Stephanie Muscat, registered social worker and psychotherapist. Please note that this episode is not the act of psychotherapy. Today, we have a very good friend of mine for actually, I think we've been friends for 12 years now, something like that, 13 years. Her name is Wendy Williams. And the whole story of how we met, I think I'll get into that a little bit because it's interesting, but Wendy is the mom of two. She has a, and you have to correct me on the ages here, please. She has a son, Garrett and a daughter, Kennedy. And she Mm -hmm. also has a husband who has bipolar disorder. And so a lot of what we'll be talking about today is raising your kids while they were little babies and a son who has special needs and who has his own challenges and how you manage to go through all of that while, you know, caring for your husband and going through the trenches and craziness of his diagnosis. And, and now you care for your mom. So before I get into that, how old are your kids now? And I guess, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I am from Houston, Texas. I should, I I always say that I'm born and bred in Texas, but I was actually born in Colorado on a brief stint that my family went to Colorado, but I'm, I'm a lifelong Texan. I don't know what else you want to know. (laughs) How old are your, oh, how old are your kids? Um, Oh yes. My kids, my, my daughter's 21 and my son is 18. I absolutely can't believe that because when I think, (laughs) (laughs) when I think of you, I think of your son as like a four-year-old and your daughter is like a little, little girl. So to me, that's crazy, Yeah. but you have such an important story to share. So I'm just going to share a bit about how we met because I think it's really important to your story and also my story. But the way we met is when my mom first started showing symptoms of frontotemporal dementia, we thought she was bipolar. And so I was on Twitter at the time um, while I was in university and you were big on Twitter. You were a huge mental health advocate and a huge advocate speaking about bipolar disorder specifically. And you had a Twitter page and I didn't know what to do. And I reached out to you because you were definitely Mm -hmm. an expert in this. And I said, I think you know, I think my mom has bipolar disorder. We're trying to figure out what's going on. And I was right in the middle of my caregiving at the time. So you met me right right when I was in that and went through that with me, which not many people have. I talk a lot about Mm -hmm. it as something that happened in the past, but you were, you remember that probably. And you helped me figure out, you know, we, we determined at the end from talking to you that she probably was not but that's how we met. And you had this platform, crazy whisperer, and you had your own stuff going on and that's how we connected. So I really, something that really always inspired me about you and something that I think our listeners will really benefit from is hearing about, so your husband's name is Mike, is hearing about what happened. You had your kids, you found out that your son, Garrett, you know, wasn't developing in the way that 
Kennedy was, for example, or other kids. And you also had Mike, who was showing signs of bipolar disorder. So what, you know, that's, that's, that's a crazy time. What did that even look like? Can you share a bit about what that time looked yeah. like for you? What was going on? Well, when Garrett was born, it was, to me, it was immediately obvious that something was not right because he was so very small and he was six pounds, two ounces, which, you know, overall for a baby at full term, that's not really small. But when his sister was nine pounds, 13 ounces, you know, and he comes out this little really emaciated rat, I knew something was wrong very quickly. And a week later, everyone knew. But then my husband was very, no, nothing's wrong. He's fine. All this, that, and the other. And he was very resistant and combative towards something being wrong with Garrett. But there was also a lot of other things going on with Mike at the time. We didn't know he was bipolar. When Garrett was born at that time, we did not, he didn't have a diagnosis of bipolar. We had thought he just had panic disorder. But as the months progressed and Garrett was in and out of the hospital all the time, it became very evident that something was very, very wrong with Mike. He was volatile. He would, he would just, there was just obviously something not right. So, you know, I was trying to keep our son alive. So I, I had finally reached the point where I told him, look, you either need to get some help or you need to go away from us because this is not something that is sustainable. You know, I can't fight you to keep our son alive. This is not, this is not something that is doable. And that resulted in, you know, a lot of rage and a lot of volatile behavior, but he did make the choice to go seek help. And so he went to a psychiatrist and, you know, it, it's a process to getting diagnosis of any mental health disorder. And it took a couple of visits and I had to go with him to the psychiatrist because, you know, the psychiatrist really needs all the, all the um, information from the family members to make an accurate diagnosis. So several trips to the, to the uh, psychiatrist and we got a diagnosis of bipolar disorder. He has severe rapid cycle type one bipolar as what the diagnosis ended up being and a couple of comorbidities with that. But the main thing is, is uh, bipolar. And it's not like when you get the diagnosis of bipolar, everything's fine because that's not the case at all. You know, you have to start finding the right cocktail of medications and that takes quite a bit of time. So we had to go through the process of every couple of weeks going to the, to the psychiatrist to get the right cocktail of medications. And thankfully for him, it only took a, a couple of changes to get that. And during this entire time, I'm still, you know, fighting to keep our son alive. So I'm going back and forth to the doctor with our son. The doctors had no idea what was wrong with him. Mike is still being very volatile and combative about Garrett's disabilities. And, you know, finally, between his psychiatrist and myself talking to him, we got him to go into psychotherapy and he was extremely resistant to doing that first at first. And he wanted to quit, but he kept at it. Um, you know, again, it was his choice to choose his family or choose not, you know what I mean? So he chose his family and he kept going to psychotherapy. And that over time and time, I mean, years, 
made a big difference for him and he has managed his bipolar and is a and has done his thing and you know throughout the time Garrett has always been um you know he's profoundly disabled so it's been me taking care of him and making sure he is okay and keeping him alive which has been a struggle by myself I also have Kennedy and she has autism so there was just me it was a single parent household even though he lived here and went to work for the most part and pay the bills so we were we were very fortunate because most bipolar people in the situation that he was in at that time were unable to maintain employment and thankfully he was able to keep his employment and keep our lights on while I focused on the kids yeah and you're I mean that story and how you got through that is got me through a lot of things in my life which you know, just knowing that you were able to do that. How did you get through that time with two little kids while you're trying to care for your husband? Like, did you reach out to people? Was it just fight or flight? What did you do? It was, it was fight or flight. You know, you take it at that. And when you're in, when you're in a situation at that extreme, um, It is fight or flight and it's minute by minute. Sometimes there were days that I would go weeks without sleep um, because Garrett just wouldn't sleep. And I would beg Mike for help. He wouldn't help. My mom would help with my daughter. Sometimes, you know, my daughter stayed with my mom's. And when I would have to take Garrett to the doctor or when I would have to go take Mike to the doctor, my mom would step in and keep my kids so I could go to the doctor with him. And it was also keeping that from Kennedy. So she didn't know that her daddy was unwell. So I don't know. You know, a lot of people ask me that all the time. How did you make it through? I don't know. I don't know. You know, you just, you do what you can right then. You don't look at tomorrow. You don't look at next hour. You do what you have to do right then to make it through. Yeah. You are such such an incredibly strong person. And just so everyone knows you've raised such successful kids, even though Garrett is, you know, disabled and needs a lot of assistance, you know, he maybe paint a picture of what he looks like now, what he needs help with during the day. So people can understand just what his life looks like and what you're helping with now. Well, he is full care. He is 18, but he is like a toddler. Um, I always liken it to when, you know, when you have a normal child and they are a toddler and they're sick and they're really clingy and they're whiny and they need you to do everything for them. That's what Garrett's like on a daily basis. Um, that's pretty much our good days. You know, bad days involve hospitals and intensive care and stuff. And, you know, he hasn't had to do that in a very long time. Thank goodness. But he, you know, he has a, and we just recently found out that he has a genetic defect. It's a newly discovered thing. Genetics research team in Canada actually found this, this gene defect that he has, and it's called Lee Campos syndrome. And he is full care. He's always been full care. He will always be full care. He's nonverbal. He doesn't communicate well. He needs, I have to feed him. He's in diapers. He's anything that you would have like an 18 month old is basically what he, what Garrett is. Is he walking? Care level. He can walk assisted. 
mm-hmm. and but not very far. He has hip dysplasia and very low muscle tone, so he can he can walk. So he can help me get him up and out of the bed or up and out of the wheelchair. He can walk enough to do that, thankfully. So your life really is caring for others. That's really what it's been since, you know, pretty much. Yeah. Since Kennedy was born and now Mike is since I married Mike, since you married Mike, (laughs) although things I guess progressed after that, but so now Mike is more or less stable and yes, in tune with what's going on. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Thank goodness. And you know, bipolar is, can be in remission and his is, is managed and is in remission is as it can be it's still there and so it still needs very active participation on both of our parts to make sure that it stays managed you know I'm constantly monitoring his behaviors and constantly monitoring his intake of things environmental intake food intake any any of the you know things that that can impact any mental health disorder I have to constantly monitor that And when it's skewed, I have to call him out on it. And thankfully now he's not, he's not very, he doesn't rage anymore. When I call him out on stuff, he recognizes it. He, he contemplates about it. He talks to his therapist. He has the same therapist he had when he started. Uh, His name is John. And quite honestly, John has been a significant part of saving Mike's life. And so you know, it, it takes active participation on both of our parts for him to manage his bipolar disorder. Yeah. But I'm glad that you've gotten into this groove, so to speak, where, you know, or a dance, so to speak, where at least you can call him out on it. He acknowledges it. He has insight now, like it looks very different than what it did in the beginning. And now as your mom is getting older, I know that you're going with her to a lot of appointments. You are trying to manage her health. So what is happening with your mom? You know, she has a, an autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis, and she's had that for 30 years. It's been a long time. I think I was still in maybe junior high, beginning of high school when she was diagnosed with that. So 35 years. Anyway, so a long time. She also has very significant mental health issues and mental health issues always exacerbate your physical health issues. You know, I think that's a pretty much known thing in the mental health community, but not really in the physical health community. So now I think both of those have really heightened both her physical and mental health have really declined and they're really combating each other and and they're not, one's not really helping the, the other. We lost my stepdad six years ago. And since he died, she's really taken a sharp decline and that is in her mental health and, and that's exacerbated her, her physical health. And so, you know, we have to do a lot of doctor's appointments to get her, her physical ailments situated because she doesn't acknowledge her mental health issues at all. So that's, that's just what we do with her. And you're a, something that you've taught me and that I also learned over time and that now I practice more so <laughs> is the concept of boundaries. And Absolutely. you are a big boundary person and you've set me Absolutely. in my place many times with boundaries. And I think 
when I think of you, I think <clears throat> boundaries because you're like, you are the queen of really the queen of boundaries. You know how to set it up. You know what you need, you can do, you know what you can't do. And you take care of yourself first. A lot of the time is what I see. And I'm sure that's something you've had to develop over time. Absolutely. But now these days, how do you care for yourself? I know how you do it, but what, what types of things do you do? How do you put yourself first and and set those boundaries? You know, that changes all the time, but I'll tell you what I do right now, right now for, I will get up early before everyone gets up and I'll get my workout in. And that is the most crucial thing that I can do for my mental and physical well-being, you know, and it allows me time to just be me, no distractions, no anything, get what I get it done. It allows me to clear my head and think about where I need to enforce and create more boundaries. I could not survive my daily life without boundaries. And quite honestly, back in the day when Mike was in full-blown bipolar psychosis and Garrett was very unwell and my mom was very unwell mentally, I had no boundaries and it was killing me. It was absolutely killing me. And that is, you know, in that process of chaos, that's where I learned if you have to have boundaries. So, you know, every morning I get up and I do, I do what I need to do for my uh, workout and, you know, a little meditation and that before the day starts with Garrett getting up and having to take care of him. And then I also take time for myself and I'll go on trips. I have a group of women that I gather together a few times a year, not during COVID pandemic, but generally, you know, we'll, we'll do three or four times a year that we'll go and we'll go different spots around the country. And there'll be 20 or 30 of us get together. We'll go hiking and we'll do, you know, have a weekend of sisterhood. And that is really the best thing for me. And then, you know, I'll have different weekends and stuff with, you know, people come down from Canada and Austin and we'll go do stuff like that. One of those is me. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. Not anytime recently, but yeah. I'm sure I'll see you soon. But yeah, I, yeah, I admire that. And I've learned from that too. So Wendy, you're such an inspiration for me and I know you will be for mm-hmm. others. How can people find you if they want to reach out or see more of what you're doing? You know, I don't really have so much of a social media presence anymore, but everyone can always find me via Crazy Whisper. I don't tweet anymore because I found Twitter is, you can't have boundaries on Twitter. You just can't. It's it's an awful, awful place. And so I don't tweet anymore, but you can pretty much find me on uh, Instagram. It's a little bit more tolerable form of social media and it's not such a bullying platform. So yeah, if anybody ever wants to reach out for me, I'm always available for assisting people with their mental health journeys and trying to find their path to get them some help or try to find them some boundaries or whatever. Yeah, you really are. You're one of the most giving, kind people I've ever met. And it always... Oh, you're so sweet. Well, but it always, you know, and I've told you this a million times, it always just shocks me sometimes because it's so hard to find somebody like you. And I'm mm-hmm. so thankful to have someone mm-hmm. like you in my life and, and you've helped me through everything. So 
you really do go above and beyond for perfect strangers, like with boundaries, obviously, and knowing who they are and what's going on. But I mean, it's like, it's, it's crazy. The things that you'll go out and do and the person you are really. Thanks. Well, you know, if you could help one person, you know, find their, find their way through their journey in that one person helps another person and so on and so on, you know, how, how much better would the world be just, you're right. You know, it's always that, that starfish story that, you know, there's this man, there's a beach covered with starfish and there's a person and he's, you know, tossing this starfish in every once in a while. And there, and other people come around and say, you know, you can't save them all, but I save that one, you know, and that one is that, and you know, you can't save anybody. And that's not what, it, that's definitely not what I'm saying that you can't save people. And that's another boundary you have to learn that, yeah can't save anyone from themselves thanks for being on the podcast wendy i love you i miss you have a good day we'll talk soon too okay thanks for having me thanks for listening to caregivers compass if you've enjoyed this episode please leave us a review your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it I'm Stephanie Muscat. Have an uplifting day and I'll see you next time.